Letter Seven of A Lady's Life on a Farm in Manitoba by Mrs. Cecil B. Hall. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Winnipeg, May 18th. Here we are, and we do feel ourselves really landed in the far north, after a most preposterous journey the whole way. We arrived quite on time last night, rather an unusual thing with these trains, particularly since the floods, when the passengers were dependent on the steamer. We saw yesterday as we passed high and dry on the prairie, which had to convey them from one train to another across the floods close to St. Vincent. Oh, the prairie! I cannot describe to you our first impression. Its vastness, dreariness, and loneliness is appalling. Very little is under cultivation between this and St. Paul, so that only a house here and there breaks the line of horizon. There are a few cotton and aspen trees along the Red River Valley, but with that exception the landscape, for the last fifteen hours travelling, has been like the sea on a very smooth day, without a beginning or an end. We were met at the station here by one of A.'s friends, who drove us out about a mile and a half from the town across the Assiniboine over a suspension bridge built exactly opposite the old Fort Garry, and somewhere close to the spot where our first English pioneers must have landed from the river steamer some twelve years ago, to a very comfortable house belonging to another mutual friend, a dear, kind old gentleman whose wife and daughter, being away, has placed the whole house at our disposal, until we can get out to the farm, which we find is sixteen miles off. It will be very difficult to describe everything to you. To begin with, the depot or station presented a curious appearance, such crowds of men loafing about with apparently no other object but to watch the new arrivals, so different to English stations, where every one seems in a hurry, either coming or going. And then the roads we had to drive along defy description. The inches, no other word, of mud, and the holes which nearly capsize one at every turn. Even down Main Street the roads are not stoned or paved in any way. We bumped a good deal in our carriage, and for consolation at any worse bumping than usual we were told, This is nothing. Wait until you get stuck in a mud-hole out west. Then our route, thanks to the floods, which have been very bad this year, and are still out enormously, the upper floors of two-storied houses only being visible in many places, was most intricate. We had to be pioneered over a ditch into a wood, supposed to be cleared, with the stumps of trees left sticking about six inches out of the ground for your wheels to pass over, onto a track, and then through a potato garden to the house. We were quite ready for our supper, it being about eight o'clock when we got there, and the food at Glendon, where we stopped twenty minutes in the middle of the day to put away the contents of sixteen dishes of some various mess or another, had not been of the most inviting of meals, and though the chops here were the size of a small leg of mutton, and had the longest bones I ever saw, hunger was the best of appetizers, and we did credit to our meal, which had been cooked by our host. This morning we were awoken by the same kind of person depositing a can of water at our door for our baths. He gets up very early, as he has to fetch the water, milk the cow, feed the calf, etc., all before breakfast and starting off for his office. There is a man-servant here who gets five to six pounds a month, apparently to do nothing, as he is the only one on the premises who can afford to be idle and smoke his pipe of peace. But servants are so difficult to get in this country— and our host being on the move, having got a better government appointment at Perth, is anxious not to change now, so, like everybody else, he puts up with anything. 
The last servant they had in this house was the son of a colonel in the English army, who was described as a nice boy, but very lazy. But this man-servant hasn't even the recommendation of being nice. He was out at the farm working for his board and lodging, and no wages for some months, but A could not stand his idleness. We all had to cook our breakfast this morning, and as every one was, by way of helping, either making toast, poaching the eggs, cooking hunks of bacon, or mending up the fire, the stove was pronounced much too small. The moment we had finished our meal we had to retire upstairs and make the beds and tidy up a little. A half-breed woman living about a half-mile off is supposed to come in for an hour and wash up and clean the house, but if it is bad weather she is unable to get through the mud. Therefore, when the ladies of the establishment are away, the house is left a good deal to its own devices, the dust and cobwebs not often disturbed. End of letter 7. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.